to the 10th burning conversation and we've had a lot of lumber on the air in the past nine conversations a lot of big names but this might be the biggest of them all ben jamin has just burst onto the twitter scene and he is a fantasy guru he started with the daily roto sharks it blew up he got bought out and he's continuing his prowess onto the top shot sphere this is going to be an unbelievable conversation i'm super excited about it please welcome ben jammin hey dan well thanks a lot uh to having me on you know i really appreciate it and you gave me way more credit than i deserve <laughs> no way man they don't even know half of your story they don't know half your story like introduce yourself man like tell us a little bit about yourself all right well my name's i go by ben jammin and i am from long island new york and I have a pretty diverse background. I worked in restaurant industry for years. I went, you know, everywhere from busing tables to managing restaurants. I did that for a while. And then I got involved in daily fantasy sports, uh, you know, FanDuel, DraftKings type stuff in about 2014. I was writing blogs on Roto Grinders, started to gain a little bit of popularity there. And I started creating these data cheat sheets where I aggregated data from all across the web for baseball put them together in the same spot on, on one, you know, Excel sheet. And then we created our own custom rankings and projections and ratings and things like that. Me and my partner, CG, who is now at um, Rise or Fall. Cool. And so we, we developed that together and it was becoming so popular and doing so well that people were actually like begging us to start charging for it because we were just giving it to people for free. And so we started charging for it, built up a website, put it behind a paywall and ran daily roto sharks for about four years until we eventually sold it off. Um, I, I do a little bit of work for DFS Army still, you know, updating tools there. And then once I finished with that, I went back to school for web development and programming. While I was there at college, I developed, uh, created one of the first 3D printing college clubs in the entire country. Very and cool. Th- <laughs> Thanks, man. And, and through that, I actually... Um, was invited on tours to military manufacturing facilities to uh, be introduced to some of the you know new work that was being done uh, with 3D printing on um, a, a lot of the, the products that were being made for the military. And so I visited a, a company called Curtis Wright, which was founded by Glenn Curtis, the father of um, naval aviation, and the Wright brothers, the, the fathers of modern aviation, and they combined their country a couple hundred years ago, but Um, maybe 150 years ago or so, and they are one of the biggest and oldest companies in the country. And so I visited there, met the president, vice president, CEO, and they basically saved a spot for me for when I graduated from college. So I ended up going to work there, and I was managing a product line of what are called actuators, which are are essentially like um, the on and off faucets that you would have for your sink. They control the flow of liquids. So these actuators would um, control the flow of liquids through these big valves that would go on aircraft carriers or submarines or power plants. And when a nuclear reactor would fail and overheat, they would have to bring all of this uh, water through the pipes in order to cool it down. And the actuators, which uh, could be handled manually, electronically, hydraulically, were actually um, in control of turning the flow on and off. So every single actuator that has ever been in an aircraft carrier, submarine, or nuclear power plant in the, in the Navy actually came from that company. 
And so I worked there for about two years. I left that company to help form a company called Four Deep, which is, uh, I have a, a couple of bosses there, Mike and Tommy, Tommy G, people might know from the daily fantasy sports industry. And so that's what I'm currently doing now. And while I'm running that and helping with the operations there, I found Top Shot and I really fell in love about a month ago and I can't really think about anything else, man. So, that, that, you know, that, that's the, the quick breakdown of, of my background. Well, you know, even the, uh, the most impressive among us can fall victim to the sickness that is the NBA Top Shot. It's just a horrible addiction that you just can't take your mind off of. And, you know, when I think about this, like we had a, a big pack drop today. It sounds like we had over 200,000 people in line waiting. Um, did, were you able to score a pack? I certainly wasn't. I, I was not. I was not. And I got, um, I think my first my first uh, try at it, I was about 108,000. And then I went to check to see what my wife got in line, and she was about 90,000. So we had okay. zero getting this well you know you're right in the middle of the pack and that ain't gonna do it you know i, I guess i find myself lucky to hit forty-two thousand. um mm. and you know right out of the gate we're seeing the market take a little bit of a dip is this something that you expected after this premium pack drop yeah actually i did expect it and specifically for certain moments i expected the the series two 15,000 um, LEs to drop definitely, but I didn't expect to see the drop in the the um, like the Zions and the LeBrons that we're actually seeing. Okay. Uh, I, I thought it was going to be more the lower tier. The floor was just going to get eaten out from them. But we, we've seen this with drops in the past. The thing that shocked me the most, honestly, were, were the drops leading up to this. Uh, uh, sorry, the drops in the prices leading up to this pack drop. That's what kind of uh, shocked me the most. And go on, elaborate on that for us. So, you know, t- typically we'd see a, a little bit of a small drop before a pack drop, just people trying to liquidate in order to, you know, afford it, thinking maybe they can get more than a $9 drop or or they know the drop uh, in prices is going to occur after. So they want to be liquid just to, you know, buy up the marketplace. And what we saw here was uh, a few days of uh, big drops after we had some highs, I think on the 23rd or 4th. And then, um, you know, those S2 commons, they kind of just had the floor taken out of them. A lot of them fell 30 to, to 60%. And so, you know, you don't have these, these suspensions on falling pricing like you would in a stock market, even though this is similar. So I think that's something that people have to be, be aware of in that if you see your your moments increase by 300%, that maybe that's a good time to take a little profits. You know, when you talk about stocks, it's you know sell when you're happy and add when you're sad. Mm, the, the, the old adage that uh, the pigs get fat, but the hogs get slaughtered. And, you know, mm. I, I think people should be aware of that. You know, um, you know, how you act in this climate is certainly to the individual's choice. Um, but I, I think it's it's well noted to know that this is happening post drop, and you know, thinking about that sort of trend, you know, I, I think more and more people have come in, right? Like we have two hundred thousand people waiting in line. Uh, while it may be true that a lot of people are maybe connected, like your wife was in line, that you know that's just another plus one that you're seeing across the industry. But it's still to say that more people are coming in. 
And I do think the question will remain as to what will these moments do for me moving forward? This question of utility. And, you know, we went into this topic a little bit with LG at the end of the ninth episode. And I I feel like we're positioned to really dive into this. Uh, So, Ben, like, tell me where you see the utility of moments moving forward. Well, there's, there's a lot of different ways to look at it. You could look at it in the form of, it being a collectible for someone who just wants to buy it, hold it for years, and and just look at that video. They like it. Maybe they were at the game, and it's a moment that resonates with them, and they want to share that with someone in their family. Or they're buying it specifically as a long-term investment. You know, I was talking earlier, you know, buying a LeBron and treating it as my kid's college fund and just letting it grow. You know, so there's a lot of different utilities there, but also what I really do see is the the ability and the application for people to have fun with what you own. And, you know, mm-hmm. we see a little bit of that with Squish Fantasy. Yep. They, you know, they did a good job. They were the first out there, first I saw at least. And, you know, I played it a little bit. It's fun. There's a lot of room for improvement, obviously. I saw them asking on, on Twitter, you know, for, for help with UI work, which I think is going to be great for them. And, and so long-term prospects, whether they're going to be there forever or they were just, you know, the trendsetter in the industry, I applaud them for it. And then we're, we're also going to see um, Top Shot coming out with NBA Hardcore. And so with NBA Hardcore, they're going to be using this as an actual fantasy game. And so you're going to be able to use your moments and the fantasy points that they accrue throughout the week. And so what you see in NBA fantasy is you don't just go day by day. You know, they collect multiple days and multiple games from players and add them up. Because you you know you don't you're not going to have a daily winner in, in fantasy. So hardcore is going to use the moments that you own, and they're going to what I assume would be count the fantasy points accrued, and then in your deck maybe you have like Swish does a starting five lineup or, or similar like that, and you compete against others in the industry. So so let's let's break that down for a little bit because the way that you just described hardcore is very similar to at least the function of how swish will go right and in swish you're allowed two players that are the two point baskets that can arrive in a dunk a layup or a jump shot you get a three point an assist that can arrive in an assist or handle and then a defensive wizard as I like to call coming into the moment as a block or a steal and it sounds like that's going to be similar to hardcore. Um, but you mentioned there that like daily fantasy doesn't necessarily apply best to the NBA and that it might be best in a week. So do you think that Swish is best served in a week format? Well, well, what I meant by that was the actual season-long fantasy when I meant they accrue over days. So for daily fantasy, that is actually daily. So you, know, you do it based on what is called a slate for that night. If there's 10 games that night, you could play a slate of 10 games or a slate of three or four games okay. or two games. Interesting. So you can do that. And so I, I anticipate that you know, there will be that type of money fantasy daily for tonight kind of um, aspect to it. Yeah, I love I just that. meant that. I, uh, what, what Swish is doing is, you know, you add it up over the course of time. So that is more like a season long. Right. And then what I see out of hardcore, I, I believe, and this is just what I think it's going to be, because okay. I, I haven't read documentation of it. Sure. I think it's going to be more like um, the Daily Fantasy where you pick a point guard, you pick a shooting guard, you pick a small, you know, you have your team of players, not this, like Swish is like the type of moment it is. Right. Whereas... You know, I don't care about my guy getting a dunk 
you know, if his name is Ish Smith or, or assist from Ish Smith, if I can get, you know, Kevin Durant, and I don't care if it was a jump shot or a three-pointer because he's going to accrue a lot more fantasy points. So is it fair to say maybe in your opinion, Ben, that the moment itself is going to be not necessarily indicative of the uh, value to hard court, but the type of moment and maybe the scarcity of that moment would add its like functional value to the game of hardcore, right? So like Draymond Green assist is on your roster as Draymond, but his power in the game is relevant to the moment, which is the assist. I actually like that you just used the word power. Um, I, I do have a, a nice little tidbit for you like, that I'd like to sure, share. I did, then I'll jump te- right I'll in. Water's really warm. As I get... Uh, as I, I'll tease that really quick as I, as I get a different point out. So I, I think that when, when you think about the hard court and the ability to have these players that are on your team, you know, a Kevin Durant legendary is a lot different from a Kevin Durant common. So I think that... 100%. And I haven't really seen people talking about this, but I, th- there's going to be a big parallel, in my opinion, between what we see as these moments and what we see as uh, NFL Madden ratings. Okay. So... So you have these Madden ratings that players really covet, and they complain on Twitter about it if you know it's too low, or, or if sure. you know they'll say, "I think my dunking ability," or, or, or whatever, uh, for basketball, if they get those kind of ratings. But for football, there's a big community around it, right? So when when you play this Madden Ultimate Team game that was in Madden 25 and some others, you you get these like cards of players, and they f- become your team, and you play right. the Madden game with those cards. Mm-hmm. Now. You can have, you know, a, a Tom Brady, but you can have a Tom Brady, you know, that's a rating of a 99, or you can have a Tom Brady that's a rating of an 80. And those cards themselves have different ratings depending on how much they cost you to, to buy, okay. right? So yep. that's how I see hardcore going a Interesting. little bit. Interesting, gotcha, and, and gotcha. Extrapolating on that, I think that the NBA players are going to look at their low asks of the moments in the similar way that... Uh, NFL players look at their Madden ratings and compare them to each other. So you have all these NBA players getting involved, and I think we're going to see, you know, Josh Green go up to, uh, not not Josh Green, uh, Josh Hart, Josh Hart, go up to Zion and be like, hey, you know, um, my low ask is not as big as yours, but look, it's it's on the rise. Or you have one of his other teammates. He said, you know, mine is better than yours. I must be a better player, and they're going to start comparing that. And I could see them even bidding up their own low ass and buy them all out so theirs are higher than their friends. And so when I try to keep track of all the guys who are not just investing in Top Shot for NBA, but who are tweeting about it and who are forming their own accounts and doing live shows, because I feel like those guys are eventually going to bid up their low ask in order to flex it in the locker room saying my low ask is higher than yours. And, you know, I think what's most interesting about this aspect is is that there's going to be multiple ways to inflate or have your value dropped, right? Like, I think, you know, Rom has tweeted a bunch about social value and how, you know, there, um, when Josh Hart jumps on the Twitch and engages in the space and rips packs, like, his moment goes up in value, and that's not credit to his on-the-court performance, that's credit to engaging in the social space, Right. And, you know, I think it'll absolutely be relevant as time progresses is that like a guy like, you know, there was a moment or a week or two in 
uh, January that Colin Sexton was really hot, right? Like he put up like, you know, 40 points against the Nets and beat him on his own, you know, like right when Harden came on over and like, you know, that in the time, like shot his moment up in value. And I think you'll see more of that. And um, it kind of lends credence to this, um, aspect that it's such a speculative market, right? Like we can look at the fundamentals all we want, but there's always going to be that we don't know what's going to happen further. And, you know, before we talked on the show, Ben, like you had some interesting thoughts as to what's going to happen in the future um, and, and how this space develops. But like for you, what is the most interesting thing that you're keeping your eye on to get a pulse on this speculative market? Well, I like to look at things in terms of what I would consider true value or, or what I think the true value should be. So it's hard to equate value and price in this market right now, especially during a bull run. So you have these, these other websites like, uh, you know, Evaluate and Moment Ranks who are doing a great job in the industry. But I still think that there's fatal flaws with the way that we're evaluating these cards in general especially when you look at some, you know, the way that some of these really high serial numbers sell for, you know, 100x of what they're supposed to because someone might be gifting an entire account or purchasing or trading, so it's hard to tell what it's really worth. But when you have fundamentals involved and, you know, things you can speculate on, like, you know, this player's getting a rookie badge. You know he's getting one, so it's kind of built in there. But then you might have, like, a Jeremy Grant, who can win most improved players. So you're speculating on his future prospects of winning that. And if you buy it at a certain price, because that's where you see the value at the point in time of when he wins the, the most improved player award, it's a lot different from then if he lost. So if you're speculating that he's going to win and you bid your price up to that level of if he does win, I think you're overvaluing it. But if you buy it at the point where it's enough that if even if he didn't win it, that price was okay with you and then everything else is upside, I think the true value lies somewhere in there because you're not just buying on what you hope or think will happen. You're buying on the almost the, the median of, of you know hedging if it doesn't. Hmm. And and so when you have things like you know buying a Hamadou Diallo because he went to a school where the mascot is a feline, so he might be in the next cool cat challenge, you're speculating, you're driving up the price because you think of the value of where it will be instead of where it is right now. And I think that's going to be a fundamental flaw with people uh, coming in new and not following the trends in the market and being able to understand the way that um, volume controls things in, in this market. You know, and, and while that may be true, Ben, I like what I am kind of always leave the door open to is, is that the developers have the right to move and shake in the directions that they please. And like like one move or shake that I'm referencing is just retiring the entire Series 2 base after they basically said they were going to make a million of a certain few copies, right? Like you're always going to have maybe that added speculation, but you don't know what's going to happen next. And, you know, I, I think... You know, it's you know I respect the fact that you want to investigate real value and you want to try to assess that the best you can. But I see it as a fruitless endeavor because I don't think you can ever get there. I have mm-hmm. no idea how to rate a like let's just say on 110 serial and Joel Embiid right now because I don't think it's worth the 130 or whatever it is is a low ask. But I also don't think it's worth like the 1200. 
uh, like value that like is at its slow ass. Like it's somewhere in between, but that's a freaking huge range. And like, and to add into the fact that, Oh, maybe the developers should say, Nope, series two isn't retired. Cause like maybe that could happen. And like, then the values totally change from there. So the long story to all this is, is that, I'm more interested in investigating the utility because if this moment that I own has utility, that means that no matter what happens in the future, no matter what some speculative value might change, the utility will remain, right? It's like the argument with Bitcoin. Like you can tell me that it's worthless. You can tell me that it won't function, but the fact that it can uh, record as a verifiable transaction over time and that those transactions can't be manipulated, that utility that it self-governs will always remain. And for that reason, I see the value, right? And, And so for me, that's where I'm looking in these moments. And to identify that intrinsic value, as I say, I think is paramount, right? So let's talk about that. Like, what is the intrinsic value of these moments? Right. Well, yeah, I I definitely agree with you. And so even if there was a zero dollar price point, like there's something you can do with these, right? Like, Like if there's no monetary value applied, there's still NFT, non fungible tokens, which are owned by people. They have their own value to it that they can apply. The price is just really what someone will pay for it. And, you know, you could list that a hundred grand and it doesn't mean someone's going to pay for it. But if, if that's what the low ask says, that's what you think it's worth. But when you talk about the moments themselves and what they're built on, you know, like I referenced earlier, we're talking about the hardcore and where I think that's going to go. I see it going, you know, to, to a lot of different applications. And fortunately, this is the type of platform that can be have a lot of things built on top of them. Interesting. So uh, I, I teased out a little um, tidbit earlier that I don't think and I've heard anyone else talking about. Okay. But um, in the hardcore game, so when, when you're looking through the, the code of the Top Shot website, when you're searching through how do they pull a listing, how do they show it on a marketplace, you look through the code and you can find what they filter things by, you know, serial number on the main page, you also have price, you have series. But one thing that's embedded in there that is never made public is a little filter called power. So huh. they're going to be assigning a power level. Interesting. To and so I, I don't know the exact application of that, but I highly assume it's going to be with um, the hardcore game. And this was discovered by a good friend of mine, Paulius. He's at Upheaver on Discord. And so we were looking through the code and he's like, this is what I think is going to happen. He's like, I think there's going to be this power that they're going to apply to different card levels. And that's going to be able to be used in a game. So when you think about like a NBA jam back in the day, you know, the, he's heating up, he's on yep, fire. Yep, love stuff. that. They, they, get the, they get these boosts and, you know, in, in Madden, you get this like laser accuracy, you get the deep ball, you get all these different kind oh, of ratings. Man. Here we go. This is what I see happening with hardcore. And so it's embedded in the code. It's not on the marketplace or anything, but it's, it's a variable that can be used as a filter in order to separate out different cards. And it just hasn't shown up yet. And obviously, the more scarce the card, the more powerful that particular power may be. It makes too much sense 
bang, bang, there's your intrinsic value. <laughs> That's why you're spending all this money for these moments, right? Like right now people are just going like, you know, we need to accumulate this. It's going to rise in costs. Like we're trying to assess, you know, short-term values. No, you are assessing a value to how much will this power for this particular player be worth? Yeah, and, and that's going to be a part of it. So whether money is introduced to the fantasy aspect of it and you can bet against each other or maybe put up one of your moments and the winner wins that moment, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to go, but that would be cool, right, if me and you challenge each other head-to-head. Like I saw um, Jack Settlement on, on Twitter. He made a bet today with someone is the pack drop going to go live at noon? And I'll <laughs> yeah. put up this card, you put up that card. And he won, and he won that card. So I think that would be really cool, and sorry, moment. I think that would be really cool to wager your own moments, challenging someone to say whose collection is better, right? That would be pretty cool for me. I mean, honestly, I would engage in that right now on Swish. I would 100% right? be like, all right, Benjamin, your best five against my best five. It's this yes. week. And let's put up like, you know, a moment that we find to be equal value and let's go, you know, bare knuckle it out. And like all week, I'm yeah. going to be glued to those television games, like both yours and mine. And like yep. just following the crap out of my moments. Right. Cause like, I, I want to keep my moment. Like I'm competitive and I want to win, but I also want to like gain your value. Right. Like these things have value. Yeah. And now, Wait till you start being able to bet your moments like poker chips sitting around mm. a table playing a tournament, right? Oh man, I'll, I'll see you your huh. uh, I use the name. I'll see you your Rui Hachimura gift for my Tyler Hero Cool Cats. Right. You know, and, and it's how much how much value do you apply to it? Maybe I'm getting a better deal than you think I am. You know, and and so I think there's going to be a lot of utility to that as well. And then, you know, there's a lot of different things that um, Roham kind of let slip on Josh Hart's first live stream. I thought so, and, too. Oh, my God. I took notes on these. And there's some of the some of the really, really cool things that I, I didn't even anticipate. But if you don't mind, let me run through a few. Yeah. I mean, like for me, right out of the gate, it was like this idea of augmented reality. Right. Like <laughs> he didn't necessarily like say the words augmented reality, but he did say Pokemon Go, which is perhaps the introduction of augmented reality, right? Like for those that don't know, Pokemon Go is, is that on your phone, you could catch some Pokemon that didn't exist in the real world, but could only be found in certain physical locations. And so that connection between the digital space and the physical space became one. And like mm-hmm. that's what uh, Rom wants to do here. He wants to bring the physical and digital space to one, but... My question is, how exactly is that going to become? Like, he said a few things, but, like, go ahead and take it from there, Ben. So the, the first thing that comes to my mind is virality. How, how viral can you make this? And I think that a Pokemon Go-type application would be great for virality. And, and they have their own ways to do marketing and applications, and I don't know for sure how they're going to translate this into Pokemon Go, but the way I see it, do you remember the... I guess you could call it like a meme, but where people would go around and video themselves dunking on other people. Sure, absolutely. If that was, if that was augmented reality, where you look you huh. put on a wall or on a person, like in the augmented reality, there's a basket, 
and you record yourself <laughs> through the augmented reality dunking on other people <laughs> and you get points for doing it like i think that would go absolutely oh, viral man. i think that would be hysterical oh. and you can win moments or flow tokens oh, and you can man. spend it in the marketing pl- how great would that be oh <laughs> you're gonna get some people hurt <laughs> <laughs> i think that would be hysterical i think that there would be people dunking over each other all over the oh, place. Man. You know, points if you're wearing a, a jersey while you do it. Maybe you get points towards the the team that you favorited on Top Shot. You know, because they they track that. You know, that this is uh, there's, there's so many different things sure. yeah, that you can it, talk about, right? I mean, um, QR codes to be scanned on TV while watching. So this a game is interesting. Entered into a pack drop. Yeah. So like, you know, he mentioned how like your your physical location like so if you purchase a ticket to um a celtics game and you you get to the garden you will be offered the opportunity to get into a lottery or just immediately available to purchase a pack that only those in the arena would be able to purchase right and like maybe they have some sort of uh special tie to the game i mean how cool would it be is that you go see the Celtics and Nuggets play. Jokic posterizes Daniel Tice and then bang you can buy that moment right there or you can be the one to capture it on the augmented reality. Oh, man, and then it's your moment from your phone. Oh, man. And, and think, I, I, feel like, I feel like I'm giving a lot of free tips to Top Shot here. <laughs> <laughs> but if you do that, you can have the person uh, capture something on video or however many hundreds or thousands of people capturing their own moments, right, and have a kind of Reddit-like feature where you post your moment in the app and people who are at the game can upvote or downvote and the one that wins the best is the one that becomes the moment out of that game. And, you know, I like awesome idea. Love it. Like just love every part of the opportunities that are available. I will say that the one mistake I've made since being introduced into the space in January is, is that whenever I think that maybe the Dapper Labs team hasn't thought of an idea or maybe I have something that's like novel, they're like 150 steps beyond that idea in the right direction. And like the question really shouldn't be what should be like available, like what opportunity should be the next viral moment, as you say, but like what are the moments right now or like where is the direction that people are going to grab on right because like for me as someone like i don't know if i should be involved in the idea making process i should be involved in profiting from this process right like we're thinking about this 12 steps in the right direction let's just think about the two steps or three steps in front of us so we can make a bunch of money in the marketplace because there's a bunch of money coming in right so like where do you think these next batch of moments that are going to be created ends us, you know, brings us towards. I know you've done a lot of research as to what's going on with flow. So where do you think the the next step is for these moments that are being created? Well, it, it's important to, to understand my perspective in that the reason I look further than what we have now, it, it doesn't distract me from trying to make profits and trying to develop content for it. But what I'm doing is trying to understand the long-term stability of the product itself. Okay. If I didn't think that they'd be able to withstand this product and create new ones moving forward, I wouldn't be able to invest as much as I want to in this. So when I'm looking at Flow and Dapper, and I see that they create, they're the type of company that had problems with Ethereum and using CryptoKitties. Right. And they, they crashed the network because they congested it so much with their own users that they created an entire new network. That type of company and that type of thinking 
gives me a lot of confidence. Yep. And then when you combine that with the fact that they have five NBA investors, they've had over 250, oh no, sorry, $50 million in, in fundraising. They have another $250 million coming in at a $2 billion valuation. <laughs> they have Warner Music Group, UFC, Dr. Seuss, Ubisoft, Axiomatic. They have all these different involvements for different ways that this company can take that they have funding. Plus, you have Flow as the token that opened a little around like a dollar, dollar fifty, I believe, and got as high as twenty six or so. So, you know, there's long term funding in there. There's funding in liquidity through the stocks, and there is uh, ideas and execution that we've already seen. So, when I think about the big picture, it's about what is the long term stability and in order for me to make profits for more than just being in early and getting the packs that went 10, 15, 20 right. X, you need to think about more than just how do I get lucky, but how do I, how do I make this long-term? And I think by just focusing on short-term profits is not the way to do that. Okay. So that's why I look, I look at Top Shot as uh, the first of many, okay. but the, the trendsetter that will be there because they have the backing of institutions including the NBA and the NBA's Player Association and the ability to get retirees so they're never, ever running out of content. I think that the long-term stability of the platform is definitely there. So with that said, the introduction of these moments doesn't scare me in any way because it's healthy. You need this you need the, um, the ability for new users to come in and have a low barrier of entry to this market. And when you have the cheapest among the moments being like a Bismack Biombo $50 moment, it's very difficult to have that kind of um, new influx of users who's not going to get turned away. So this drop and these, these pack drops, which I assume we're going to see very big pack drops coming shortly, and we could talk about that. I think those are long-term good for the market, look long-term good for the Series 2 LEs, but short-term, a little bit difficult for the people who bought at the top and are essentially bag-holding these moments right now. So long story short, just hodl the crap out of everything that you have. Make sure to buy the moments that you like. Prioritize the players and the moments that you think are cool. And don't panic sell if unless you really need the cash. Right, and, and we got to remember that a lot of people have no problem putting their moment, you know, let, let's say the moment's at $700 on a low ass. That's like a, kind. it's not a cheap moment, it's not an expensive one, but let's say like a $700 one. DeAndre and Sears one. Yeah, yeah, or like a, even a Cole Anthony's or, around that range. Okay. And, and he's getting a rookie badge. So right. you can expect him to, to increase in value eventually, right? But if you are looking at it in terms of what can I get right now, you don't always have to panic sell, but if you bought it at you know, 800 and it goes down to 700, it's a lot different than if you bought it at 50 and it goes to 700. Sure, 100%. Right? So if me and you both own that same moment, but I bought it at 50 and the low ask is 700, you're down 100. I'm not. So I have no problem undercutting that low ask and just getting rid of it because I'm already up X amount that you're down and I'm killing it. So I don't mind where you might look at it as panic selling, I'm taking profits, but it's still undercutting the price. So you see a lot of people doing that. I don't mm -hmm. necessarily 
agree with how much they're doing it. I think we should still be trying to sell around the low ask, but there's a lot of that happening because people are up so much on these moments that they don't mind, you know, taking a, a 10, 15% um, drop in their price, even though it's hurting the stability of the market and the floor of that moment in general. So to me, that just sounds like you should be buying. Everyone should just be buying. I I think, I think that if you, what I would recommend, and I'm not going to tell anyone specifically what to do with their money because each person should have their own plan, know their own bankroll, how much they're willing to risk. But the way that I see it is S2 LEs have long-term value. Okay. I think that S1 LEs are definitely going to have more value. So if you're already up, right? Like, so I may have, let's say a JaVale McGee card I bought for a dollar and now it's, you know, 17 or something is a lot different than if I bought it for 15. So I may just say, let me dump all the ones that I'm, I'm making a lot of profits on, right? And just, I'm, it's not that I'm panic selling. It's not that I'm selling for a loss. I'm way up on these. So I'm just going to get rid of them in bulk at the low ask and then consolidate, you know, 50 moments into a LeBron. So, and then hold that. So it's not necessarily hold everything and buy what you can. It's be strategic about okay. what your plan is, how much money you have, what you expect from this. Are you doing this uh, for fun, for utility, to show you know, someone that you own it? Or are you doing it for you know, short-term investment or to hand it off to your grandkids you know, 60 years from now? So it's all about what you want to come out of it. But I think that when we look at this, we need to look at it as an unregulated market that we um, find it hard to anticipate future prices because a lot of people sold these cool cap moments at 150 bucks thinking they're making a great deal and then Tyler Hero goes up to 900. Hmm. Is that overvalued? I don't know. But I, I do think that us being here first, if you wanted to just buy everything right now and never look at your account again, long-term you're up. At, you're up. That's just the way I think. But if you want to maximize and compound your earnings right now, you need to figure out what's going to hold the best long-term value, but also what can go up short-term so that you're not sitting there for six years waiting for your $20 JaVale McGee to you know, turn into 35 even though it was at 62 days ago. So it's all about perspective, you know, where you are in your mindset and what you expect from this entire movement. A lot to think about, you know. I, I think you're 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 hearing two perma bulls on Top Shot. Like we definitely see this going up. I think, despite our bullishness, we could totally see our short-term strategies different. I think that's maybe the most intriguing part about this platform is is that we can all believe that this is going up, but all act in totally different ways. Um, and you know, for me, that just screams the idea of alpha, right? Like that you can outperform the market in this sort of climate because of the variety of factors, not just in, you know, uh, user strategy or user uh, collection composition, but also in um, the idea that uh, people can can value things differently, right? Like the, the valuation is, is of utmost uncertainty and of speculation and so all those factors combined just leaves for uh, a huge opportunity to maximize on the market i think any time that you're looking at it, it might be time well spent actually you know maybe not according to my girlfriend but that's neither here nor there um right. you know to to finish this episode out ben like 
why don't we finish with what we expect from the third drop of Cool Cats? Because I feel like this is a huge moment. On the my conversation with LG, I made you know perhaps the uh, large claim that there should be fifty thousand of each of the five unknown cool cats for pack three, which would have brought the uh, total pack amount to two hundred and fifty thousand packs. Huge escalation from the previous two. However, we saw two hundred thousand people in line waiting for the premium pack and you know that 250,000 level I don't think is so unreasonable um but your thoughts I I it's tough because we don't know how many cool cats drops they actually want to do specifically like there could be a few more right no there's gonna definitely be four so total. four total, and then is my understanding that there's going to be a total of 28, uh, 29 cool cats because the Carl Anthony Towns for the Crypto Kitty owners will be factored into the Lamello Ball Challenge. Right. Does that well, math work? Will Lamello be the fifth, or is he going to close out the fourth? It's my understanding he closes, but as okay. we all know, that could not end up being true. Right, right, exactly, and that, that's what's tough about um, Top Shot in general, and, and the, the way that I like to describe what they do is that for every moment that you think that there's incompetence going on, substitute that word with cunning, right? Huh. They're very smart at what they do, and they feign incompetence very well. Like they, they, they act like they don't know what's going on, but you know they're smart <laughs> right. enough, right? They're very, very, very smart people, yep. and what, what we see from them is Oh, you know, we don't know when the uh, the CCs are turning to LE, but make sure you hold on to them. Don't sell them. And then, boom, they all switch over. Yep. They knew what they were doing, and I appreciated it because it worked out for me. But, you know, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to say it's hard to trust what they, they say, but take it with a grain of salt when you get something promised. And, and I understand this is a very, very dynamic and a constantly changing environment. So I'm going to go with... Um, this being, you know, there's going to be four. I, I think that's reasonable to say, but I also think it, it really depends on who they choose to be within that challenge, right? Because they can choose people that those moments are going to automatically be more expensive right off the bat, or they could keep choosing people like TJ McConnell and Stanley Johnson. So I think that the, the best thing for them to do is release as few of them as possible and start dumping out base packs into the environment. So I think that you need to have this Cool Cats really be a one of those rare, you know, hard to get type of things, even though it's supposed to be a lot more accessible because that Lamello has blown up, that Luca has blown up so fast, like the prospects of getting the Lamello, that it's going to be difficult for people to get it anyway. So you might as well make it more rare and have that look, which is becoming a crazy barrier to entry, have it so that people aren't thinking they need to, you know, spend seven, eight thousand on it because they're not going to get it anyway. Right. And, and yeah. that's kind of the way I think about it. Like, I, I totally understand your logic and like it pains me to kind of agree with you because I am a, you know, cool cat one and, you know, will be cool cat two reward earner and so i will in theory be halfway through the cool cat challenge 
but like, I don't know how much more I'm willing to invest in these moments, right? Like, I'm not wild about Derek Jones blocking LeBron. Like, I'm sorry, like, not, not really a moment that like, I want to hold in my collection. But definitely want to hold it because LaMelo Ball, I think, is the prized possession of this. But if I have to go out and spend like, or liquidate $3,500 for, you know, Haim Dalur, I can't even say his names, you know, like jump shot moment, like I'm not going to be happy about that. And I will be incentivized to sell. Um, so I, I hope they don't do that. I, they have said that they are going to try to make this the common man's challenge so that they do have a huge amount. I, I, I hope this is like one of like those things that they say and they live up to. Um, you know, I, I, I'm a lover of the space, so I'm never going to be like terribly critical. Um, but it's one of those things that like if I can't do it, I'll probably just sell. Yeah, and, and that's exactly what I can see happening, right? Like this started off supposed to be the commons, and these are the ones that anyone can get. And as that Luca keeps going up in price, what I see potentially happening is not enough people can get it. So what if they just burn the rest of them at the end and say, this is more rare than you guys even expected? And so what what they can do in order to to really make that happen is when they do the next cool cat drops, they can make those cards, or sorry, those I keep saying cards. They That's can make fine. the moments a higher barrier to entry, either by um, introducing less of them or putting out better moments so that they get bid up a lot faster so that it makes it harder for people to actually complete all of the sets and makes that lamello even more rare at the end of the day. And the only way I even say that is because what we've seen with the Luca. If that maintained a reasonable price where people can still come in right now, um, you know, new users and start buying it up, and maybe it was like four or five hundred or something, but it got what six thousand, so something like that. So it, it's going to be hard for everyone to complete. It's going to be a lot lower of a completion percentage than I assume they projected. And so once once you start noticing that, you know, as a company, do you make the pivot to say? you know, let's go with that. And since people aren't going to be able to afford it in mass, let's just make it even more unattainable. I don't know. And, and that's something that, you know, their, their team internally has to decide. Yeah. It'll be interesting to follow and watch. You know, I, I think when I think about, you know, that final cool cats, like collection, whatever that may be, like what a really cool hardcore lineup that might be, you know, like to see that, that team in action. Like, I also think about the Swish team and like just collecting a Swish team worth of cool cats, I think actually will fare fairly well by the end of it. I mean, if you have Luca's assist, you have AD's, you know, two point basket, um, you have Devin Booker's three, like, so we're not even, you know, we're halfway through and we already have a decent little array of selections, like things to all consider. Um, but like, as we kind of finish up here, like as a final question, Ben, like, what do you want this space to become like where are you centering maybe all of your attention and energy outside of like making sure your collection is optimized from a financial perspective so honestly for me it's it's been more than just finding a product it's been essentially changing the paradigm from from which i operate and and their perspective of, of which i look through the same way crypto did initially when i discovered bitcoin and so I looked, you know, I was always critical of the financial industry in, in general. And when I found Bitcoin, 
unfortunately at the time I didn't buy enough of it and which I should, I'm, you know, you have stories from everybody about that, but it, it really opened my eyes to the way that I saw money. And so this is opening my eyes to the way that I see really the future of the entire internet, because this okay. isn't just, um, NBA, this is the decentralization. And, and, and I know that, you know, top shot is a little more consolidated and they're working with the NBA. So they're not going to be as decentralized as we would like, but with, you know, open C coming involved and then, you know, third party marketplaces, we'll see that. But for me, this really is like a lifestyle change. Like my, hmm. my attention and my energy moving forward is just purely directed at the space of blockchain and NFTs. Like, I really think this is the future. Uh, and I have never been someone who played soccer, watched soccer, but I bought NFT so rare collectibles for, you know, the soccer um, version oh, really? of Top Shot. Yeah. So, you know, and I've never in my life, never bought a, a work of art besides, you know, one of those um, caricatures that, you know, on the side of the road where they draw of you. But besides that, like I've never bought art before, but I am really, really going to be buying NFT and digital artwork, right? Like I've mm -hmm. never thought about buying a, buying a physical piece of art or a sports card even in my life. Never bought a sports card, bought Pokemon when I was like seven, but never bought a sports card. And I have almost 200 digital NBA moments. So for me, this is, this was the, the opening the door for me thinking that there's a flat earth to now mm. knowing there's a round earth. And so wow. this is this is huge, this is huge for me. And, and coming from a technical background, understanding um, you know, development and programming at, at, at not an advanced level by any means, but understanding you know, the characteristics behind it, I really think that this is going to be the model of the future. So people are going to be signing deeds and contracts through blockchain. They're going to be selling real estate through blockchain. Yep. They're going to be getting divorced through blockchain. Yep. And so the, I, I see all of this happening. I see things like there being a stock market and bonds and hedge funds being run through blockchain. So, so this to me was not the introduction to blockchain, but the introduction beyond like the crypto kitty stuff. It, it gives me a a more of a, a mainstream mindset that this is not just for crypto bros, not just for guys who have had Ethereum in the past. This is, you know, American Idol. This is Survivor. This is Bachelor. Like when you start thinking about what you can do with these NFTs in these moments and the e emotional connection that people are gonna have, I was at that game. I was at that performance. I saw that esports championship live, and now there's a moment of it for me to buy. Or my friend who does pixelated artwork at Rob Levy Pixels, he does pixelated artwork, and he's looking to sell these NFTs. He has no no idea where to start, but he's that's where he's going now. He's not thinking about painting. He's not thinking about you know doing um, music videos like he used to of like you know friends who are you know a rapper. Like he is now. 100% into I'm going NFT and he found out about it three days ago. So this to me is something that my dad who can't turn on a laptop without needing help came up to me and said, Hey, I've been talking to uh, one of my friends who is a lawyer at the NBA and this is the next big thing. <laughs>
he's like, this is going to be like Bitcoin. I'm like, dad, you don't even know what Bitcoin is. He's like, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I heard the word Bitcoin and the next big thing together. So I, I put That's two and two together. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> bringing in all these people who have no idea what crypto and blockchain is. And that's why I, I truly commend Top Shop for this. That's why I think their their pack drop delay strategy is a strategy. I really think Ooh, it's to bring people in, get them excited and get them feeling teased that, oh, man, I was almost there. Let me come back for more. Let me come back for more. And it's, it's these people who maybe would not have otherwise come in and bought something on the marketplace. But now they're fiending for this pack job because they saw their friend get an Anthony Edwards that sold for eighty three hundred dollars. And they're like, I want that. But, I, oh, man, I have to sit at my computer. I have to cancel this meeting. I have to not go to sleep tonight. Like the fact that it's bringing this emotion into people more than just buying a card the opening of the packs is so exciting. Like I'm, I did it with my wife. She's sitting there like, what'd you get? What'd you get? <laughs> and I, I, you know, I'm like, Oh, I got this, this moment. She's like, does he play basketball? Like, she's <laughs> no idea, but she's so excited to sure. see me excited. And yeah. so this is going to be happening all over the NBA all-star game. They're going to be talking about it. You hear Brian Scalabrini saying his friends were all doing like, this is more than just collecting a moment. This is building a movement. And, and wow. I have never been more excited, happy, and optimistic about being a part of a movement in my life than this, specifically because I never truly thought there would be the ability to have a win-win in this type of environment where I can give as much information out to as many people as possible, and all that does is help me long-term, right? Mm. I can tell you my strategy specifically on how I'm going after these moments, and if I don't get it, it's okay because you bought it and helped that floor, and I'm still gonna use my strategy, and it's gonna help the stability of the long-term marketplace for people to be more involved and more aware of what's going on than if people felt left out and not know what they're doing. So the more contributions you get the more people you bring in, the better it makes it for everybody. And so there are, there are win-wins involved that in the DFS industry, you couldn't even think of. I could not share my my ratings and, and everything with the John Q public because it's a zero-sum game. I win or you win. Hmm. This is, we all win, right? right? And so this is, this is more to me than just an I win. This is a we win, and it goes much further than NBA. Wow. Uh, what a fabulous finish to a, a terrific episode. Like, thank you so much for coming on. I'm really excited about the future even more so after this conversation. Um, we haven't even dipped our toes into the whale community, which I think is going to be an absolute huge part. I know that you're uh, a fellow believer. Um, and so, you know, maybe we'll have to do a part two or something along those lines. Um, but like the opportunities are absolutely endless. Uh, we are looking forward to getting the whale community in one way or the other onto this podcast. Um, so they, they can tell their story just the same. Um, but Ben, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, definitely don't want this to be our last. And, uh, you know, thanks for coming on. Absolutely, man. I, I appreciate you having me. This was awesome. You know, I'm, I'm always open to discussing this stuff. As you can see, I, I, how passionate I am about it. And so, you know, I appreciate you inviting me on the podcast. This is the first 
audio or video I have done talking about Top Shot after a long career of doing a lot of audio and video. So you got <laughs> me out there. You got me speaking about it first. And, you know, I appreciate that. I, I, I have a community that I'm bringing into this. You know, we, we have our website, 4DBets.com, and all the community there that we're starting to, you know, introduce this to. So the sky's the limit. You know, I'm always willing to talk about it, Dan, with you or anybody else who wants to bring me on. And I would be more than willing to have a second or third with you, whatever you want to do. Awesome, man. Well, thanks again for coming on. Great discussion. Have a good weekend. And uh, we will be with you listeners hopefully soon next week. 